following program is intended for mature audiences. The time is now for the hardest hit, yet completely trivial, football show on the planet. You are in rarefied territory. Ladies and gentlemen, well, well to the broken helmet. Let's rock. Hey, coming to you live on tape on this Sunday, October 30th. 2022 Halloween Eve, if you will. But in the NFL world, we just call it Week 8. Eight's the point. Coming out. Give me 25 on the hard eight. 44. Great number. Anyway, we've gotten one game in Week 8 that is finito. That was the Ravens moving past the lowly box 27 and 22. 27 and 22? How about 27 to 22? Makes a whole lot more sense said that way. Anyway, Tom Brady, not looking good. Not looking fantastic. I mean, the Ravens didn't look that good either, to be honest. I mean, for a team that 5-3, you know, you'd think that they were better. They looked infinitely better earlier in the season. And uh, the luster's worn off a little bit. But they keep getting these Ws however they can. Probably should have had one versus the Giants there, if not for a couple of horrendous mistakes a couple of weeks ago. But they do get the win down in Tampa. And so that game ended up going to the Dogs. Dog win. So that trend continues. And then you get an over in that game. And then there's one game underway right now. A true gem out in London with the 2-5 and five Jags facing off against a 2-5 and five Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> the huge win for ESPN landing that one for their plus service. I mean, holy Jesus. I know the NFL wants to keep pushing their product across the globe and try to figure out even more ways to monetize the, their great asset of professional football. But, you know, these Thursday night games and these London morning games are just, they're just fucking awful. Straight duty. Duty, if you will. But yet, this is what we got. So, anyway, that game, which is the Broncos and the Jags. So far, 7-0 going to the Jaguars. Russell Wilson injured doing calisthenics on the plane and posting it, I guess, for some reason. That was a story everybody was tweeting about a couple days ago. Anyway, he throws his uh, interception early off in the game. Trevor Lawrence, he throws a touchdown to the ex-giant, now current Jaguar, looking for a new contract. I think he signed a one-year deal, so he'll be looking for a new contract at the end of this year. He's had an okay year, not great, but Evan Ingram with a touchdown there. 7 nothing Jaguars, uh, I guess, early in the second, it looks like, which will be irrelevant to anybody listening to this after the fact because the game will probably be over, whatever. Anyway, so, well, we begin Week 8 looking at uh, another week slate of games, a couple of good ones but more a smattering of just uh, random crap. It's the mediocrity of the NFL this year that has produced, uh, you know, just bad slate after bad slate when you look at it. I mean, it just isn't a whole lot. You know, usually you get a couple of games here and there. I mean, obviously, there's going to be some games of interest, but, you know, looking at these games, I just there's just not a lot. When you're talking about a 4 o'clock uh, lineup of Colts, Commanders, 49ers, Rams, and Seahawks, Giants. Those are the three you get. Now, two of those three is great. You know, I I, I, I shouldn't say great. Seahawks, Giants is probably a, a questionable great game. It will be one of the two that we talk about, though. Uh, 49ers, Rams, uh, you know, another one. The Rams not looking good, but they're in that NFC West battle with the 49ers, so a good interdivision game, but, I, I, you know, you can rip down these other games. We The Bucks, ravens which we thought was going to be a good game, ended up not being a, a great watch. And then we go into Jags-Broncos, Eagles-Steelers, Eagles Steelers, Pats-Jets, Falcons-Panthers, Raiders-Saints, Cowboys-Bears, Dolphins-Lions, Vikings-Cardinals. I mean, oh my God. This is just... Leroy! What the hell is going on with the schedulers? Obviously, they can't predict that. Oh, we also have the Titans-Texans. Wow, man. And then what you would have thought earlier in the season, Bills-Packers on Sunday night would have been, ah, you know, the rest of the games were 
pretty much garbaggio, but we got the Bills-Packers to at least wash down the palate there at the end of the night, and now the Packers stink. So, and you can wrap up the week with the Bengals-Browns on, on Monday night, which, uh, you know, the Browns looked like they were going to be okay earlier in the season, have spiraled down, and then the Bengals pop off the past two weeks, and then all of a sudden they lose Jamar Chase. Ah! Like, what? What the hell is going on with this season? It really fucking batty the way that it's gone down. But anyway, uh, that's what we got set to talk about. We'll jump into the performance stats, get everybody, uh, you know, up to date with what we've been doing, how we've been doing, and any kind of trends. And then we'll jump into our two big games and then the rest of the docket. So let's kick it off here. First down. First down. Well, week seven was as even as it could be. Favorites and the dogs split at 7-7. The overs and unders were split at 7-7. The teams off of a bye at home were 2-0. On the road were 0-2, so they were 2-2 together. As for the home dogs, they were 2-2. And then when you go to check out the teasers, whether it be the point spread or the total, each side was 9-5. So, there was one game, actually, that you couldn't lose on. One game last week, if you teased it, you didn't lose. That was Baltimore and Cleveland. That one cashed in on every side of the tees. So, like I said, week 7 was pretty much split down the middle. Where does that leave us for week 8? Well, the dogs and the unders are still ahead in the year-long standings. Dogs are clocking in at about 54%. The unders are at about 60%. Home dogs are at 53%. So those are the three big ones. What's crazy is that when you look at the totals, the unders have cashed in almost all the time. The overs haven't won a week. The closest the overs came to winning a week was pushing. So the unders have won everything this year. I mean, you know, the overs are just fighting. Points are at a premium, as they say. Points are at a premium. The other thing that we saw last week was that 10 of the 14 games ended up being decided by greater than 6.5 points. And week 4 was the only week that came close to that and actually tied it. So week 4 and week 7 both saw 10 games decided by greater than 6.5 points. And last week there wasn't as many games, so it was a higher percentage of the games. Were, I guess, what you would say blowouts, you know, in terms of point spread, right? 7 points or greater. So that's where it was. As for Chris and myself, how do we do? I ended up being even, go figure, seven and seven. That was the theme of the week. My brother was one off. He was six and eight. So on the year, I'm still ahead of him. I'm at 47%. He's at 55, 40, Jesus, 55%. That wouldn't make sense. He would be over me then. I'm at 47%. He's at 45% is what I meant to say. I'm on three and a half games under 500. He's five and a half games. As for the money, the money's the sharps and the tickets. The tickets are still doing horrendous. They were six and eight last year. They're at 42% for the year. As for the money pool, they were under 500 last week at six and eight, but they're still coming in at 57%. As for the share, they were four and five, but they're at sixty-one percent. So again, it's the sharps and where the money's going is basically the best way to try to gauge this year. The tickets have been horrific, as usual, right? Fade the public, as what they say. As for uh, my brother and I going back to our super picks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, I was two and three. He was two and three. I still got him there at forty-seven percent on the year to his forty best bets. Uh, I'm at forty-three percent. Chris is at just around thirty percent. Our parlays, our teasers, I mean, horrific. The only other thing that we're doing okay, and Chris is doing okay, I'm not, is our prop bets. I'm at 29% for the year, but Chris is at 57%. So, he's been doing all right there. I've got him on the uh, 272 picks for all the years. I, I got him a little bit in the super picks, but he's coming around with the prop bets, and it's just a matter of time before I throw up another stinker. I mean, really, the only thing keeping me ahead in this whole thing is that I had that monster week. What was it, week two or whatever? And I've been just riding that since because we've been about even ever uh, ever since that one week. So that's how uh, everything is looking right now. Hopefully we'll get a little bit of differentiation between week seven and week eight there. I mean, it is kind of crazy to think that last week it was just overs and unders, favorites and dogs, 
you know, teams off the buy. Everybody was split. I mean, there was nothing. And then when you look at when you look at the teaser legs being nine and five across the board, that's crazy. Just figuring that you, you expect some kind of variance, you know, for everything to be so split is like, well, what the hell's going on here? So, anyway, that's the performance to date. We will jump in and take a look at our two big games. I have already mentioned them. It will be Seahawks and Giants, 49ers, and the Rams. My brother was looking to talk uh, Jets-Pats, but I think the Seahawks-Giants is a little more interesting only because, I, you know, with the Jets and the injuries that they suffered and the Pats and the situation that they're in, I I think the Seahawks-Giants might be a better game, even though I think the Giants are doing, you know, God's work with smoke and mirrors here. Uh, no, I shouldn't say God's work. God has no interest in football whatsoever. But uh, the Giants are, are doing great work with smoke and mirrors against the Seahawks. So we'll kick it off. Uh, we'll stay, well, NMC, they're both NMC games. But we will head out to the West for our first game. Second down. Second down. <laughs> And we'll take off to SoFi Arena, the home of Los Angeles football, either side of the conference. Uh, either conference, that is, whatever. Anyway, 49ers traveling into Los Angeles. The Rams currently a home dog, our first home dog of the week. There will be six in total. This is the first. Uh, right now, the 49ers favored by one. The over-under in this game is 42 points. Right now, the Sharps are on the Rams, and then everything else is on the 49ers. And heavy, I might say, especially the money. The money pool right now is 87% in favor of the 49ers, 73% in terms of Joey Ticket. So, what do we do here? I, You know, I don't know. I'm going to tell you right out the gate, me and my brother are on opposite ends of it. Where that is, you'll just have to wait. Uh, the Against the spread right now, both teams not so good. San Francisco is 3-4. and four. The Rams are 2-6. and six. You want to line up DVOA and see how they're performing there. San Francisco's offense is coming in at 17th. They'll be going up against Los Angeles' defense, which is at 8th. Los Angeles' defense is doing it all against the rush. Their, their pass is actually not nearly as good as their rush. Second against the rush, 14th against the pass. San Francisco, meanwhile, better on the pass than the run. They're 24th uh, you know, on the ground, 11th in the air. When you flip it over and take a look at the other sides of the ball, the Los Angeles Rams offense is pretty putrid, coming in at 25th DVOA, and they're even on both the pass and the rush, 24th and 23rd. So that 25th DVOA offense is going up against San Francisco's 7th ranked DVOA Defense, ninth against the pass, fifth against the rush. So threw a lot of numbers at you, just numbers constantly. DVOA, line spreads, tickets. But basically, what you're seeing here is the Sharps are going to take the Rams at home and everything else is going to go in favor of the 49ers. When you look at the, you know, the defense, I think what you're going to see here, number one, Debo Samuel is out. And so we'll have to see. Oh, my bro- my son has uh, joined the program here. How are you doing there, Mace? Anthony. Um, hi, guys. This is a broadcast, right? Uh, yep, it is a broadcast. That's right. And we're we're watching look, some look this, Fortnite here. Look at this. As my son look looks to have... Who, that's, that's Rick? No, that's Stranger Things. Oh, that's Stranger Things. Stranger Things is in Fortnite. That is super cool. It's not really NFL focused, so I'm gonna punch out of watching Stranger Things here. But I'll play some Fortnite with you later. Does that sound like that, a plan? That's a Vecna's house. That is Vecna's house, but you probably can't go in it, right? You just gotta stand around it. All right, buddy, I gotta get back to the show. All right, I love you very much, though, and get that Fortnite ready. We'll play was the uh, as we watch the Pats Jets game. So where was he? Oh, 49ers Rams. So as I was saying, if you really look at it, what Debo Samuel out. San Francisco's pass offense, you know, kind of shaky. Garoppolo hasn't really looked great since he was coming in. Obviously, this entire team has been changing things in the fly since they lost Trey Lance in Week 2. As for Los Angeles, you know, that team also has not looked good. And primarily for the same reason. Their quarterback has looked crazy shaky. And the year following the Super Bowl, so Stafford came in the year, you know, nursing that the the elbow injury, 
which has seemed to have plagued him in one way, shape, or form because he has not looked great in watching the games. Obviously, there's other things, uh, you know, that are problematic for the Rams, specifically that their offense just doesn't have a whole lot of tools. It has been the Cooper Cup show, and that is it. And why is that? Well, Odell Beckham, who they traded for last year, has been out, not even with the team. He's not even signed. They traded uh, Bobby Trees, got rid of him, and ended up bringing in Allen Robinson, who everybody, I mean, me included, thought that was going to, you know, rise back up to top form with the Rams offense, and it has not happened. Uh, I mean, he has looked pretty terrible. Uh, you know, lack of separation uh, in his routes and just overall poor performance. And you last year, as a fantasy player or fantasy manager, you're looking at Robinson, you're like, ah, Justin Fields, he sucks. He screwed up my Robinson pick. And then this year, you know, I don't know, guess you look at... at Stafford's arm, and he said, ah, damn arm, is screwing it up. But whatever it is, you know, when you see performance that continues on for, you know, a stretch of X amount of years, seasons, you start to think it's probably pretty predictive of the player and reflective of their stage in their career. And so maybe Allen Robinson is on the back nine heading out. Who knows? I mean, it would be crazy to think because it wasn't that long ago. It was just two seasons ago. He looked great, and now it's, you know, he's just a shell of his former self. And as for the rest of that offense, also a shell of its former self. Not able to get anything going, like we said. The only real tool here that they have to utilize is Cup. And then backfield, what are you dealing with? The Cam Akers story is still just batshit crazy because nobody even saw it coming. I mean, last year, you know, he popped the Achilles, came back, he played. Not well, but he played, and you thought that this was going to be the return to form. And return to form, it's, you know, it's like the Hatfields and McCoys between McVeigh and Akers. Uh, whatever the hell's happening, and I can't wait to hear the story at some point, um, unless there is no story, and it's just that they just don't get along. But it's just crazy the way that that whole thing shook out. So anyway, 49ers and Rams not playing the best football. 49ers probably... The better of the two squads right now. Both teams injury plagued. Game going to be played at in Los Angeles. Not really a hometown crowd for the Rams there. In brand new stadium. You remember the Super Bowl uh, parade. <laughs> not not a whole lot of fanfare of that one as well. But right now, with a one point in favor of the road team, it's basically a pick 'em. It's whatever you think here. I you know you could tease the Rams and make them plus plus seven. Right, if you think it's going to be super close, uh, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I, I guess you could tease the 49ers and bring them to minus six if you wanted to on their side. But I think best route to go here is if you like one of the teams, just go them straight up. And my brother's going to take the Rams, and I just made some kind of weird sound on the microphone. I heard it in my ear. I don't know what the hell that was. But anyway, my brother is going to be taking the Rams. I am going to end up taking the 49ers, so we're on opposite ends there. He's going to go with the Sharps. I am ultimately going to end up going with the tickets and the money pool. So that will do game one. That game is a four-o'clocker. Should be good. Uh, looking forward to it. Rams coming off the bye, obviously, and we'll see if that bye week allowed them to right the wrongs that were going on with their season. Uh, you never know. I, I thought that the Rams, I I had them picked to win the NFC West uh, with a four, I think it was it's a four-team win the division. And right now I'm looking okay. I, I need the Bengals to come around. They need to win theirs. And I have the Rams on top of theirs. The Bucks, I, I'm a little shaky about, but still the, the NFC South is so bad. But anyway, I think that the Rams should be able to turn it around. I don't know if they're going to end up winning out their division. I, I kind of like the 49ers a little bit more now. But today will be a good litmus test as to where these two teams are about halfway through the season. So we'll stay in the NFC and we'll head up to Seattle for the next game. 
Another four o'clocker, and as I mentioned, my brother was looking to talk Pat's Jets. I uh, bogarted the joint, and I'm going to take the Seahawks-Giants as game two here for us to talk about. Seahawks, a home favorite by three points, just a field goal, no hook as of now, depending on what book you use, obviously. Over-under is 44.5 points. The money is in favor of the Seahawks in this one, 63%. The tickets are basically split, and there is no sharp lean as of right now. So in regards to DVOA, what are we looking at? Seattle has the third-ranked offense, and the Giants have the seventh-ranked offense. If you could believe that shit, I, you know, congratulations. I, if you predicted that or could believe it, because I, I never thought in a million years that the Seahawks offense with Geno Smith or the Giants offense under Daniel Jones would be 3-7 and seven in anything. DVOA, total yardage, whatever it is. But uh, here they stand. And they're both basically pretty even. Seattle's third-ranked offense does it between behind the fourth-ranked pass offense and 10th-ranked rush, while the Giants' seventh-ranked offense is doing it behind eighth on the pass, sixth on the rush. You want to flip it around, you're talking about their defenses. Well, their defenses are not nearly as close to the top as their offensive are. Seattle's at 19, and the Giants are 29. Um, and those are both basically pretty split around those numbers. So, uh, you know, whose offense pulls it off? Because it doesn't look like the defenses are going to step up. And if you watch the games, I have not seen Seattle as much as I have watched the Giants. But, uh, like I said, the Giants doing a lot of this with smoke and mirrors. I mean, there are a ton of games that could have went the other way. Whether that's good coaching or just dumb luck, uh, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I, I think coaching only gets you so far. I think there has been a lot of luck. Watching the games, I think there's been a lot of luck. I know that the Action Network has... I. Now, I don't know if they're joking when they talk about it. If you listen to the favorite podcast, they talk about a luck factor. I don't know if that's an actual uh, stat that they try to create based on some kind of, uh, you know, whatever, characteristics in a game. But I will say that when I watch things like Ravens, Giants, end of the game, Giants driving, Daniel Jones throws a horrific, horrific interception in the end zone and then get saved because they call a rinky-dink uh, pass interference call uh, you know, on that receiver, who Daniel Jones threw it behind him, and the receiver wasn't stopping. So it wasn't like the defender pushed. It was Slayton, by the way. Darius Slayton out of the way and then stole the ball. I, Slayton, he was just behind Slayton. Slayton went past, and Jones threw it behind him, and it was an interception. Anyway, uh, that gets called back to Giants' score. They ended up ultimately winning that game. Those things I consider lucky as hell. And if you watch the Giants all year long, you've seen a lot of that. Um, I, yeah, I'm sure that fans for a lot of teams will say, no, I saw that on my team too. Who cares? You're 6-1. and Enjoy it. All right, whatever. Um, but Seattle here is, to me, the more impressive. It looks as though, to me, when you watch their games, that, look, we all knew that Pete Carroll likes what he likes. You know, he's going to like playing defense. He's going to like running the ball. He likes to call the shots. They got rid of Russell Wilson, which now looks like the guy was Einstein because Russell Wilson looks so horrific. And Denver turns around and gives them the $240 million, guaranteed and basically hangs a huge albatross on that member club with his terrible contract with a quarterback that doesn't look that good. And meanwhile, Seattle, you know, changes over the quarterback, and their offense looks better. And then they get Kenneth Walker to replace Rashad Penny. I, Penny, I don't know what ultimately becomes of him, but, I, you know, another one of these running backs with a checkered, you know, injury history and just kind of outweighs any kind of solid flashes of talent that they had. So Penny has a monster back end of last year, comes into the issue hurt, and then he ultimately goes out for the year. Kenneth Walker, meanwhile, he finally gets the nod. They drafted him high, too, and then he ends up taking off with it, and he's had a Two solid games back-to-back. Fantasy managers that grabbed him are super happy. The ones that cut him are uh, crying because, oh, he was hurt. He had an abdomen injury. I thought he, was, thought he wasn't going to play, and then somebody else took him out. Well, that might have been me. Uh, so, this game, three points in favor of the home team. I don't know if there's too much to break down on it. I don't believe in the Giants. I, I love their 6-1 and one record. I, I, I am a fan of theirs, and any... Fan that whose team is six and one, you're going to be pumped. But I don't believe in it. 
and they're playing with a ton of practice players. I mean, their entire wide receiver roster is horrific. They're all backup players. Sills, I mean, Slayton is a three. Wondell Robinson hasn't even played this year. He's come in a couple of games. But David Sills, uh, Richie James, like, who are these guys? I mean, it's crazy. Um, Seahawks, you got the DK Metcalf injury. You still have Lockett in there. Uh, you know, Marquise uh, Goodwin, he, he comes in and has a monster game last week, which is crazy. But, I mean, this game has basically been, you know, Kenneth Walker, or th- this team, I should say, not this game, but this team has been the, the emergence of Kenneth Walker and the rise of Geno Smith and Pete Carroll, you know, deploying the strategy that he wanted to use going into the year, and it's worked out in their favor. So, here, I'm going to take the Seahawks and the hometown three. My brother is going to take the Giants. He is a big believer in in Big Blue here, not a believer in the Seahawks. So we're going to be on opposite ends of that one as well. So that takes up the two good games. I, You know, again, Patch Jets, maybe you could have thrown that in there. Uh, I don't know if, if I think... I don't know if that's going to turn out to be a really good watch. I think it's going to be a stinker. But we're going to uh, give our picks anyway coming up here. As for uh, before I hop off that, Seahawks-Giants, if you're wondering how they were against the spread, Giants 6-1 and one against the spread, so matches their record. And as for Seattle, they are 4-3. and three. So the Giants pulling through more for the betters this year than the Seattle backers. But... We will see if that changes today, and they fold the 6-2, and two, both against the spread and in their record. So, after, for without, without, no, without further ado, uh, whatever. We're going to the rest of the games. Let's go. Third down. So, we will begin with the Eagles-Steelers game. That game taking place in Philadelphia. Here is one of those big spreads. 10.5 points in favor of Philadelphia. The over-under is 42 points. So the Sharps are going to be going with the Steelers here. The money is basically split. The only thing of note is the tickets, and uh, the public is going to side heavily with the Eagles here. 64% of the tickets going Philly's way. Uh, I am going to go with the Eagles. My brother also going with the Eagles. And 10.5 points, it's a lot. I just think the Steelers team is in trouble. they got a lot of things not going their way. Now they're on the road facing off against what? Arguably could be the best team in the NFL, if not for the Buffalo Bills. So we'll head down to East Rutherford, or I guess up from uh, Philadelphia to East Rutherford. Jets hosting the Pats. We talked about that game just before. It was going to be one of the top two big ones. I punted on it and threw the Seahawks-Giants in there. Right now the Pats are a road dog, so you get your second home dog uh, of our show here in the Jets. Two and a half points in favor of New England in this one. Over-under is 40. Not looking for a ton of points in this one. There is only one game that's actually has a lower point total than this. That will come later. That is the Colts Commanders. So not looking for a lot of offense out of this one. Sharps are going to lean toward the Jets. The money and the tickets are on the side of the Pats. The money more so than tickets. 73% of the money pool heading toward New England in this one, as are me and my brother. We're both picking New England here. Jets been doing well, but Vera Tucker's out. Uh, Brees Hall's out, you know, and Wilson has not looked good. Now, last week I thought that New England was going to beat up on the Bears and that Belichick was going to hand Fields his ass. Didn't happen. <laughs> you know, I don't know what the hell happened in that Monday night game. I know, I mean, if you listen to all the podcasts between the Bucks losing and the Pats losing and the rest of the season gone the way it has. The Circa Survivor Contest, I think, currently has about 116 or somewhere about that live tickets right now. In that, And I think that's a $6 million contest. And week eight, they're down to 116 tickets. I mean, that that is like, <laughs> it's fucking crazy. So, but that's just the way that it's gone. So anyway, the Pats uh, lose last week because they weren't able to hold fields. And I think this week you might see a return to form in what I thought was going to happen last week. And I think that Belichick might be able to take Wilson to school here a little bit. So both my brother and I are on the Pats. Falcons hosting the Panthers. 
This is a NFC South battle. The Falcons currently a four-point favorite. 41 is the over-under here. Again, not a lot of points. The Sharps are going to lean toward the Panthers. The tickets are basically split, and the money is on the side of the Falcons. 64% of the money pool is siding toward Atlanta. I am also picking Atlanta, as is my brother. So again, and you will hear this throughout the rest of our picks, is that my brother and I, with the exception of a couple of games, are basically on the same side of everything here, which is probably a bad thing. We're probably just going to blow the whole place up with our picks, but we are both on Atlanta in this one. And my brother is going to be in attending. In attending? In attendant? It's either in attendance or attending. One of the two. Make up your mind, fool. Raiders, Saints, in New Orleans. The great Chris Eggie in attendance with a whole bunch of his friends. I, I think uh, Rocky and Hamilton, I think, are both out there with him. Shout out to you guys if you happen to be listening. And by the numbers I'm looking at, you're not. The Saints are going to be dogs by one point. 49.5 is the over-under. The Sharps are going to side with the Saints in this one. The tickets and the money are big time on the Raiders. 79% in terms of the money pool and 71% in terms of the tickets. I mean, the Saints are probably worse than their record. The Raiders are probably better than their record. I'm going with the Raiders as is my brother. I, I, the peop, a lot of people were going Saints all season, and I'm surprised because they got off the they got off the train pretty quick, and then they hopped on them again this week. So if you listen to NFL content, the world about us, you've heard a lot of Saints picks. We're going the opposite way. We're both taking the Raiders and the one point. I think they're the better team, and I think they probably rise to the occasion here. I've been proven wrong. McDaniels uh, you know, did not have things going the right way earlier in the season. However, last week looked good, and I think now you got the, the short you got the short favorite here with a better team, even though they're on the road and taking the Raiders. Cowboys hosting the Bears. Bears obviously coming through big time. Monday night football taking out Belichick and the Patriots at home. Now they've got to go on the road into Dallas, taking on the Cowboys. Big favorite here. 10 points is the current line. 42.5 is the over-under. The Sharps are going to end up taking the Cowboys, and 74% of the money pool is on the Cowboys. Now, what do the t- tickets go? The tickets go on the opposite side onto the Bears. Uh, I am not. I am going to be on the Cowboys for this one. My brother is going to take the 10 points and go on the Bears, looking for maybe a repeat performance of last week. Obviously, if there's one thing the Bears are doing well, even though I'm not a big fan of Justin Fields, it seems like they've got some kind of offense going here where they're able to have him utilize his legs and take advantage on the ground game. Uh, I, I don't know if that's sustainable. I, again, my brother and I have always talked about it, is that all running quarterbacks, when they're utilized uh, on the ground as a uh, part of their offensive weaponry always ends up going the opposite way. It always leads to injury, and it's just not very sustainable. I don't know if that's what happens to Justin Fields in this game or you know this season or next season or whatever. I'm just not a big believer in it. Ten points is a lot of points. That's uh, you know it has me shaking a little bit, but I think the Cowboys might be able to open it up here at home. My brother thinking the other way. So hey, Rich Eggy, Cowboys, Chris Eggy, Bears. Dolphins are going to be a road favorite here. So we had the Pats, we had the Raiders, now we got the Dolphins all favored on the road. Dolphins are going to be facing off against the Lions in Detroit. Three and a half points is the current line in favor of Miami. 51 and a half is the point total. So here you see point total start to go up a little bit. So Sharps are going to lean into the Lions here. The money pool is going to lay into the Lions. 59% so far of the money going toward Detroit. And then 60% of the tickets is going to the Dolphins. So the Dolphins becoming a uh, public pick here. Lions have not performed well. The Dolphins have performed infinitely better than I thought. This probably should be a Dolphin auto pick because the Lions have played so bad. But I'm picking the Lions here. My brother is as well just based on the thought that this is probably the last stand. If the Lions are going to do anything, they've got to perform well in this spot. They probably have to win 
because otherwise I, I think the rest of the year is just going to be a cleaning of the house. Uh, I think Glenn is the first to go as defensive coordinator, but uh, there's really not melt much else that you could trim off without chopping Campbell's head off as well because this Lions, and you saw this from the get-go in hard knocks, is that this coaching staff, great, you want to cheer for them, you want to root for the ex-athlete, that's fine. But as you watched Hard Knocks, nothing looked good. You know, these coaches, there didn't look to be, you know, an IQ point between any of them that was giving you any confidence as a fan that they were going to have something strategically going in their favor this year other than a bunch of pom-poms and rah-rah bullshit. And this year has come through, and that's exactly what you've seen. So based on all of that... you know, the Dolphins should be the pick. I'm going with the Lions only because this is the last stand in my mind for them. If they lose this one, it's all going to be downhill and tearing this thing apart and, uh, you know, rebuilding from the studs in Detroit. So, uh, no, that is not my lock of the day. That is not my lock of the day. I am sorry. I, I went to go hit my whistle and hit the lock of the day. If you want to know what my lock of the day is, you are just going to have to wait until the gambling segment later on. So, Cardinals, Vikings, this game they played in Minnesota. The Vikings are a three and a half point favorite. The three of the hook taking on the Cardinals. 49 is the over under. Right now, the Sharps are going to lean in on the Cardinals, as are the tickets and the money. And both to big numbers. 75% of the public is on the Cardinals, and 88%, 88% of the money pool is on. Arizona, which is shocking because the Vikings obviously had the better record, but people were really tearing apart Arizona for weeks and weeks on end. And then a couple of wins, namely last week when you get DeAndre Hopkins back, he has a big game. Also, a big prop game for him. A lot of people last week were picking DeAndre Hopkins for his reception total and his yardage total, and they both came in. Um, but they get him back, and then all of a sudden, I mean, in this game, remember that if you watched it, you basically had an on, on-field blow-up between Kingsbury and, uh, and Murray on the field, like yelling at each other. What, what was Murray telling Like, calm the fuck down, I think is what he was screaming at him. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, thanks to a whole bunch of Andy Dalton interceptions, the Cardinals walk away with this game, and now everybody and their brother is all over the Cardinals. And on top of the fact that they've embraced the Cardinals after only just a couple of weeks, they also just tearing apart the Vikings. I mean, people do not like this team at all. At all. It's, it, it's actually rather comical. Now, is Minnesota as much of a farce as the Giants? I do I don't think so. I don't think so at all. But I, you know, their their offense is 14th DVOA. Their defense is 24th DVOA. So you know, the splits are right. Where's Arizona? I, I mean, Arizona's not much better. Arizona's uh, offense, if I can find him here, is 26th DVOA in terms of offense, and then their defense is 21st. I mean. Yeah, I, I mean both these both these teams. If anything, you look at Minnesota's offense, and, and you're like, ah, you know, they're okay. They got Dalvin Cook, they got Justin Jefferson, possibly the best wide receiver in the game right now. And on the opposite side, the Cardinals have you know a makeshift offense where they just change things around, and the whole thing hinges on the ability of Kyler Murray to extend plays and then throw the ball downfield. But regardless of the rationale, right now the Cardinals are a trifecta pick with the Sharps, money, and tickets all picking Arizona. My brother and I are going the opposite way. We are both going to pick Minnesota in this one. And then the final 1 o'clock game is the Texans, another home dog, hosting the Tennessee Titans. Now, Willis is going to be the quarterback for Tennessee as Tannehill is out in this one. Uh, This game was three points. I think it has stayed that way. Let me give you the most up-to-date line so that I don't mislead you, even though if you're listening to this, it would probably be changed anyway. Uh, But anyway, like I was saying, the most up-to-date line for the Titans versus the Texans is now changed to one point. So that three has become one. So if you're a Titan fan and you believe 
believe in their offense behind Derrick Henry and not Willis, you're getting better numbers here as you're only now favored by one point. Uh, 40 and a half is the over-under. That has probably stayed. Uh, it has changed uh, one point. It is now 39 and a half is the over-under. So that's the impact of the Tannehill injury on this game. As for the tickets and sharp action, the sharps are going to lean in on the Texans. 67% of the tickets are taking the Titans, and the money is basically a split. Uh, I am going to go with the Titans here. I'm going to stick with my pick. I, the Willis injury happened last night. I did not change it. I'm not going to change it now. I like the Titans just being able to manage the game, run the ball behind Derrick Henry, uh, play some defense, even though it, it's really not their thing so much this year. Uh, their, t- their defense, which usually is pretty stout, coming in at 13, and they're, they're better against the run than the pass. They're third against the rush. They're 17th against the pass, but Tennessee at 13. Uh, you know, the Texans... I just got burnt on them too too much, and I have I thought that they were going to keep last week's game somewhat close, and they did not. And ultimately, with an offense that's coming in at 27th DVOA and a defense at 30th DVOA, I don't know how you get behind this team, regardless of a rookie quarterback on the road, especially when you got Derrick Henry behind there. So I am going to take the Titans. My brother is going to be on the opposite side. He is going to take the Texans on that one, and the home dog. He's getting uh, you know better numbers now. He was at three, well, worse numbers now. It was at three, now at one. Uh, I don't know if he would change that, but we'll we'll get to hear him out next week when he joins the program after his big Raiders loss in the New Orleans. Uh, anyway, that's the end of the one o'clock games. Let's hit the four o'clocks. And the first one is going to be Colts Commanders. I mentioned that earlier. This is the the shitty game of the three at four o'clock. Colts are favored by three at home. Over-under is 39.5. The Sharps are going to take the Commanders, as are the tickets and the money. So you have, once again, a trifecta on a team in this case, the Commanders. Colts getting basically no love. They will get love for my brother. He is going to pick the Colts here at home. Sam Ellinger is obviously the replacement quarterback for Ryan, who is hurt, and then the I guess future benching, if you will, as they've come out and just stated that Matt Ryan will not be the starter going forward. They'll be going with Ellinger as the reasons why. There is a good article on pro um, uh, by. Um, it's on the ringer. It features data from, uh, I think, Timo Risk. I don't know the guy's actual name, but it's PFF underscore Mill on, on Twitter. And he did uh, some research on quarterbacks and what they do in the pocket or versus the rush versus pressure not versus the rush versus pressure and then versus the blitz and it's fascinating couple of charts it you know i mean the eye test basically tells you what he's articulating with these numbers but it it's still a good stat it's pretty cool to look at it especially if you're if you are a giant fan who's enamored where they're 6 and 1 uh, record. If you go and you look at Daniel Jones in these charts, I, I mean, it, it's just it, it makes you laugh. Anyway, his stats were used by Ben Solak of The Ringer in an article written about Ellinger coming to power here uh, in Indianapolis, and basically just saying that in the modern day NFL today, right now the big thing is the mobility of quarterbacks, as we all know. And he attributes it to the, I think it's EPA, um, the EPA of the running quarterback compared to them taking a sack. You'll have to read his article to get the the full understanding of, of what he was writing. I'm not doing it justice at all here. I actually sound like a fucking stooge. But... It basically saying that their ability to avoid the sack ends up giving their team a better chance, even though maybe their their passing downfield isn't as strong. It's just the ability of not taking the sacks. So the Colts have just been getting brutalized across the board with Ryan's play and his turnovers and his fumbles and his sack rate. And so they're just going to Ellinger for the rest of the year. Right now they're going to be favored by three in uh, well at home in Indianapolis against Commanders. My brother will be taking them and I will be taking the uh, I'm taking the Commanders. So opposite ends of the ball there. We talked about the 49ers and Rams. We talked about the Seahawks and Giants. So that brings us all the way up to Sunday Night Football. The one theme that has not changed, it changed the Thursday night theme. They have left the Sunday night theme. 
But our Sunday night game should have been a good game. Bills hosting the Packers. Two great quarterbacks. The youth in Josh Allen. The age in Aaron Rodgers. Unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers has looked horrific. And his team and game has fallen apart. Not all on his shoulders. The Packers defense, which was supposed to be pretty stout uh, coming into the season, has not performed well at all. And their offense without Devontae Adams has followed suit. I guess Aaron Jones is really the only thing that you could be looking at saying that he's performing, you know, up to par. They all, you know, Aaron Jones was supposed to have a tandem, you know, backfield along with um A.J. Dillon, and they were supposed to, you know, own up the ground game, and A.J. Dillon has been horrific. I mean, just not anywhere close to as good as they expected him. So this game, 10.5 is the current point spread here as the Bills are favored at home here against the Packers. Crazy to think that an Aaron Jones team... Uh, Aaron Jones. <laughs> I, I, You know, Aaron Rodgers... And I was calling Aaron Rodgers Brett Favre like two weeks ago. <laughs> That's how you know, dated I am and sometimes where, where I go. And I called him, it's funny because I called him Brett Favre, and then I must have rubbed off on Donnie Diamonds because then Donnie Diamonds called Aaron Rodgers Brett Favre as well. So uh, thank you, uh, Donnie Diamonds, for listening to the program. I'll get you back on here maybe next week. Maybe next game day I'll give you the microphone and let you run uh, run uh, amok, if you will. But remember, you gotta, you got to bring, uh, bring your A game to the table here, Donnie. So anyway, where were we? Bills, Packers in Buffalo. Buffalo getting that new stadium, thanks to uh, Governor Hockley, not lining her husband's pockets at all, seeing how he uh, he runs the team that provides all the concessions. But that's a story for a different podcast. Uh, Bills favored by 10.5 right now. The Sharps are leaning toward the Packers. The tickets are in favor of the Packers, and the money is heavy on the Packers at 75% of the money pool. Over under 47.5. Got a trifecta game here for Green Bay. I don't know. My brother's going to end up taking the Packers in 10.5 points. I was thinking about it. The only thing is is that I don't see how the Packers are going to be able to right the ship in this case. On the road, at night, cold Buffalo, not even though you know they play at Lambeau Field, so the cold isn't really an issue. Um, but against a team that really is kind of minus a slip up here and there, has been firing on all cylinders all season long. And you know that defense, for as much as it's been struggling, how they're going to come here on the road and stand up against Buffalo's offense, which is the second-ranked offense in the NFL, one against the pass. And meanwhile, Green Bay's defense is is 25th in the league, 31st against the rush, and 11th against the pass. So I don't know how they're going to be able to stop the Bills. I think this is a lock for a money line. I like it for a tease. But in terms of the 10.5, it's a little scary. It's a little scary to pick against Aaron Rodgers and 10.5 points. But I'm going to do it here. I'm going to end up taking the Bills, and my brother is going to end up taking the Packers. So that brings us to the final game of the week, and that is Monday Night Football. Bengals versus the Browns, the final home dog of the week. Bengals favored by three on the road. Now they end up losing... Uh, intra week, mind you, they end up losing Jamar Chase for four to six weeks. Uh, that did not impact the spread. It is currently still at three. The over under is at 45. That has not moved since after the injury. So Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins going to come in there and fill the gap left by the great Jamar Chase. It is a shame that he went down because the Bengals in these past two weeks have really started to light up the sky. And their offense has just been popping off. And you would like to have seen if that could have continued for a third week in a row, but unfortunately, you will not here in Cleveland. So Bengals favored by three over under 45. Sharps leaning toward the Browns. The money pool is slightly in, turn in favor of Cleveland, but the tickets are on the Bengals' side at 63%. Uh, both my brother and I are both going to take the Bengals here. Doesn't matter that uh, they lose Chase. Doesn't matter that they're on the road. You know, the Browns have been kind of a disappointment. Uh, now, granted that we knew that they were going to lose out in the quarterback 
position because you, you were not going to have Deshaun Watson until, whatever, week 13, I think is what the suspension was, and you are going to have to deal with Jacoby Brissett. But they looked okay to start off with. It's just that everything has, since the beginning of the season, just started falling apart. And outside of their rushing offense, I don't know if there's anything that you can look at at this team and say, hey, you know, they've been doing well. I Brissett has been better than I thought he was going to be, but it's their defense that has just been fucking stinky. They're 28th DVOA, 28th against the pass, 27th against the rush. Just not good against a Bengals team that seems to have kind of righted the ship, if you will, and got things going after a, you know, early season Super Bowl hangover, uh, if you will. And that was been said by more than enough people. I, you know, I just, I, maybe it was the hangover. Something was off. It could have been the fact that, you know, that Burrow had to come back from that appendicitis. Uh, whatever it was, the past two weeks looked like what you were expecting. You were all stoked. And now they're going to lose out on Chase. But I don't think that affects them here. We'll see. Um, there were people that I heard uh, quite a number of people picking Cleveland in this game. I'm still sticking with the Bengals and that offense to uh, run rough shot here with the Browns. I probably like an alternative spread in this one. I like an alternative spread in a couple other ones too. Um, I think I was looking at Pats for an alternative spread and something else. But anyway, so those are our picks uh, for this week. Like I said, my brother and I picked a lot of the same games, so we will have to see how that lines up for us uh, You know, after it's all said and done when we get to gambling show week nine. So, with that said, let's get to, you know, the money where your mouth is segment. I I don't know. That was a a terrible way to kiss off into fourth down. Fourth down. And so we will go with our bets right now. Uh, I I am at about 8,000. I don't know where my brother is uh, right now. We both had rough weeks last week. Um, I salvaged a little bit because I had that two, I had that three and that four team parlay, or uh, four, three and, oh, holy Jesus, well, what the, I had the three and the four team tease out going into Monday night, and so I cashed out of the three team one because that one had more money on it, I let the four team roll, and so ultimately I ended up losing, uh, I think it was a 120 bucks on the week, so another losing week for me, put me down at about 8,000, uh, my I think my brother usually tells me his bankroll is at about 7560 right now. So I'm about 500 better than him. But we're both down 20 and 25% on the year so far with our bankroll. Not good. And again, that's why we don't do this for a living. So we will start off. I'll tell you what my brother is going to end up doing. We'll go with our best bets and our picks, parlays, all the rest, and then get into our gambling. Uh, Our best bet for the week. I am going with New England and the 2.5. My brother is going to go with Minnesota and the 3.5. As for the Super Contest, along with New England, I am going Seattle, Minnesota, Dallas, and Philadelphia. My brother, meanwhile, is also going to take New England. He's not going to take Minnesota because he doesn't want to mix and match his best bet with his Super Contest picks, which I don't understand, but however it is. We're both on New England. Then my brother's going to go Philadelphia, the Rams, Cincinnati, and Jacksonville. Jacksonville currently playing right now. And I'll give you a quick update, even though you know any recorded podcast doesn't make sense to do live scores. But currently, Jacksonville up 10-7 to on Denver. Russell Wilson comes back. He ends up getting a touchdown to go along with that interception there. 12 for 19 for 117 yards. A TD interception rating is 76 for Russell Wilson. Jerry Judy, uh, who Giant fans have wanted Jerry Judy in a trade. They, they're they not going to get him. The, the Giants are not going to trade for him. I don't think Denver's going to trade for him either, but he's got five catches for 58 yards and a touchdown there. So, Wilson and Judy ended up making this, uh, still keeping this a game there, scoring a touchdown, and the Jacksonville Jaguars, meanwhile, get the uh, three points. So, anyway, he took Jacksonville and getting the, uh, the two and a half points right now they're covering. So anyway, let's go to our parlays. I am just taking two teams at Seattle and New England. New England on the road, Seattle at home. That is my two-team parlay of the week. I will be using that later on. My brother is going to be taking Minnesota, New England, and the Rams. So he really likes Minnesota. There it comes again. He also really likes New England because he's got that in Super Contest. And then in his parlay here, he'll throw the Rams in there at home versus San Francisco. One of the uh, two best games of the week. 
that we talked about. Teasers! I am going to be taking Dallas, Philadelphia, and Buffalo. All of those are big spreads. I'm going to be taking each one of those spreads and bringing them down and taking them. There are my three legs. I have been a like three of four leg monster, two of three leg monster. I, I've never been able to hit all three. I've been doing good with the two. This week, I'm hoping to get it right. Dallas, Philly, and Buffalo for me. For my brother, he is going to be taking Detroit, Chicago, the Giants, and Green Bay. So Detroit, he's going to be blowing out. The Chicago Bears, he's going to be blowing out. The Giants, he's going to be blowing out. And the Packers, he's going to be blowing out. So what does that end up being? Well, if you think about it, it's actually, it makes a lot of sense, right? So he takes the takes the Lions, he ends up making them a, ten, uh, whatever, a nine and a half point favor, uh, dog, sorry, nine and a half point Lions, 16 point Bear, uh, spread. The Giants go up to nine, and then Green Bay goes up to 16 and a half. The only reason that I tend not to like this, now whether or not it, it, you know my thought holds water or not, is only because what we saw, what scares me is what we saw last week. And that was the fact that 10 of the 14 games were decided by four, 10 of the 14 games were decided by six and a half points or more. Right now, granted, week four saw ten games also decided by six and a half points or more, but not the other weeks. I'm just saying that now I get scared of games with big spreads and trying to juice those spreads up even farther, only because the blowouts seem to have come in. And if you catch one of those games that's on a blowout, you know, on the on the team that you're wrong about, you know, it's just like it's not even a shot. So anyway, uh, that's what my brother is going to end up doing. For his picks, he's going to take all those teams. He's going to make them big spreads, and he's going to hope they come in that way. I'm I'm doing the the sucker, you know, Joey ticket bet where uh, Joe Public, where I'm going to take all the big spreads and try to bring them down. As for our profits, what what are you clapping about? I, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I, I'm about to give you a couple of winners, but I didn't yet. So what I was going to give you a winner for was your profits. I was looking at a ton. My brother picked one. Uh, he picked a Luacon and the eight and a half tackles going over that prop total. Uh, Freddie's had a uh, foy. I shouldn't say foy. Freddie foyer. Foyer has had a solid year, uh, and eight and a half tackles is a nice number. Uh, I was looking at trying to get some tackle spreads, but there was nothing really that I saw that I liked. I ended up focusing myself on only a couple games. I looked at the Arizona game three props in that one that I looked at that I like. Murray over the 248.5 for passing yards. Murray over the 32.5 rushing yards. Hopkins over his 73.5 receiving yards. Now, all of these are just basically built on the fact that I think that they are going to have to throw up points here as they go on the road in Minnesota and try to keep up with or beat the Vikings. 248 is very manageable, especially if they end up, let's say they end up going down and they have to come from behind. Hopkins last week, I think it was 10 catches for 100 and something yards. So they only raised his up to 73 and a half. If you look on the opposite side, Justin Jefferson, I believe, is at like 89 and a half, 85 and a half. So, you know, if you're giving me Jefferson or Hopkins and Hopkins is 10 to 15 yards lower than Jefferson, I, I love that. So those are the three that I like there. Chris Olave over 66 and a half yards for New Orleans. I mean, the Saints are going up against the Raiders. I think that game is going to see a, a little bit of offense in it. And Olave this year, you know, has been fantastic. And he, the games that he, I think there's four games he's gotten over 66 and a half yards. But regardless, he is their offense right now. Mike Thomas out yet again with his little toe injury. So I like the over for Olave. I also looked at the Giants game. And I looked at two there. Wandale Robinson, as he has become basically their number one wide receiver, his over-under in yardage is 43.5. So I like the over there. And then Barkley, not Charles, but Saquon, is got an over-under rushing of 87.5. And, and I like the under there just because I, I think that Seattle's defense, even though it's not great, at 19 DVOA, 17 against the rush, could be able to hold in Barkley. Now you got Neil gone this week with a knee injury, so you're going to have some reshuffling of that offensive line. Plus, they're on the road in Seattle. 
Um, so I, I like the Barkley under 87.5. So all of those legs that I've given you, which one do I like the most? I am going to go with... Hopkins and the over 73 and a half yards. That's the one that I like the most. So my brother is doing Foye Aluakon at over eight and a half tackles, and I'm going Hopkins over 73 and a half yards. Now, my brother did not give me a look-ahead game, but I did pick one, and I was looking at Philadelphia in Houston. Philadelphia favored by only nine points here. If Houston ends up losing and Philly ends up demolishing the Steelers, could I mean right now the Steelers are ten and a half point dogs on the road. The Texans at home are they going to get more love than the Steelers? I, like I would doubt it. And the Texans right now, you know, early on in the season we were saying you know they they played good, they played strong, they played tough, you know this that and the rest. And and if you look, they didn't last week. You know. I, Coming off a bye, I'm not sure. They, they do have Pierce so they can control the clock, maybe play some defense. But, you know, for the most part, I think that Philadelphia is going to mop the floor with Houston next week. And I think that you'll probably be able to save yourself a point or two here as Philadelphia could go from the minus 9 up through 10 and then possibly 11. So that was the game that I was looking at. And that brings us to... Our gambling segment. So we will start off. Like I said, my brother's at 7560. I'm at 8,000. I will run down my bets first since I am the leader in the clubhouse only by a, a shitty 500 bucks. But um, as I was saying, I am going to do four things this week. And here they are. I'm going to give my teaser because that's the one that I like the most. I did Dallas. Philadelphia, and Buffalo. I'm going to throw 400 behind that for 1,040 on the opposite side. Again, I like Dallas, Philly, and Buffalo. I think I can bring them all down. All three teams are at home. I can get all of those to under you know five points, which is not through the three, but I get them through the seven. And right now, if I can get them down to the four, four and a half points, I'll take it, right? So the Bills favored by four and a half points. Dallas is going to be favored by three. And then Philadelphia is going to be favored by three and a half. So I will take that, getting them down to the to the five, four level. Even though, you know, usually, you know, you like to get them through the three. You can't hear. They're just too big. But I'm going to just bring them down and take them all. So 400 on that one. Uh, my parlay. I said before, I am taking Seattle and New England. I like both. This is the anti-New York football bet. I am doing a parlay of those two. They're both short short favorites. Seattle at home, New England on the road. 100 bucks on them for 350 Then I'm going to take an alternate point spread parlay. I'm going to do the Patriots up to 6.5, and, and I'm going to do the Raiders up to 6.5. I, I know I said that the Raiders are going to lose and the Saints are going to win whatever before uh, when I made fun of my brother. But in this game, I, I think that the Raiders are just a better team. And so I am going to end up taking the uh, Raiders and the uh, Raiders in six and a half, Patriots six and a half. Get them both that a touchdown wins it for them. I'm going to put a hundred bucks on that alternate point spread parlay for seven twenty six. And then my final bet is going to be the money line parlay. Money line parlay. We're going to take, and I, I didn't know which way to go here, right? So let's start with the game that I said was basically the last stand. I'm taking Detroit. I'm taking that money line. If there's any team that they've got to win, it, it, I feel like it's it, it's Detroit. They're only dogs by three here, so I'm going to take them. Arizona is everybody's darling child. Uh, I did not pick them in the game. I picked Minnesota, but you know what? If I'm wrong and everybody else is right, we'll throw Arizona in there to go along with Detroit, and that leaves one game left. And I didn't know how to do this, so I'm going to end up taking Cleveland at home and the three points. If Arizona and Detroit end up winning... Maybe I'm more than happy with like the 650, 700 bucks that I've got, and I just lock in a cash out, just take my winnings and run with it, right? Um, I, I think that's the way that I'm thinking with that one. So I'll do Arizona, Detroit, and Cleveland, 100 bucks for 1592 or uh, probably around 650 for the cash out after that. So that brings it to my brother. And we will rip down what he's going to do here. Here we go. So my brother, like I said, at about 7,500, he is going to do money line bets. He's got three. He's got two money lines: Detroit and the Packers, both to win 
uh, as dogs. Detroit 100 for 250. Packers 50 for 250. He's got one bet with the spread. That's going to be the Vikings in the three and a half. He's going to put 150 on that for 300. He does have a money line parlay. He's always like these. He's going to try to get back in the swing of things here with his money line parlay. He is going to take the Eagles and the Cowboys. He's then going to throw in the Patriots. And the Vikings. So those are his four favorites. Eagles, Cowboys, Vikings, Patriots. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't because he's got one other one, and that is going to be the Lions. So his 100 for 1,000 Moneyline Parlay is favorites, Eagles, Cowboys, Vikings, Patriots, and the underdog Lions all there for the Moneyline Parlay. Uh, Teasers, he's got one. He's got the Giants, Rams, Packers, Bengals, 100 for 400 there. He's going to take the Giants, push them up. Rams, push them up. Packers push them up, and Bengals bring them down. So the Bengals have, uh, could then lose by three. So the other games, we talked about them, actually, because he had referenced those uh, earlier. And the Rams, actually, he didn't. He had other teams in there. but So for the Rams, he's going to take that one point, push it up to seven uh, at home. And then he's got four pop prop bets. His Aluakon tackles over eight and a half. Cousins passing over 267 and a half. McCaffrey rushing over are under two or sixty-two and a half yards. So not thinking that McCaffrey's going to get things going against the uh, Rams rushing defense. And then Chris Olave, which I liked as well. He's going to pick the over for Olave in the sixty-six and a half. Uh, yards. So again, fifty dollars on each of these. Aluakun over eight and a half tackles. Cousins over. 267 and a half yards. McCaffrey under 62 and a half yards rushing. And Olave over 66 and a half yards receiving. So that does it for week eight here on the Broken Helmet. And we will see. I keep saying it every week. It's old hat. It's kind of like Mike Francesa saying that the season goes by so fast and then just giving the week out. But I'm hoping that we can turn things around here. I think I said last week that that was the week that we were turning around, and it didn't happen. So, I mean, it didn't even come close, actually. I, you know, didn't come close. So, anyway, enjoy everybody's week eight, and we will talk to you Thursday, if not Thursday, another day, or whenever you choose to listen in this podcasting world of ours.